0: to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
1: I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Power of Water. How many people have you ever known that wanted to call their radio talk show Power of Water? Probably none. I've been told I'm the only radio talk show worldwide concentrating on Water, water, water. I really concentrate on fresh water. Did you know that the human use of fresh water is beyond all levels of a crisis all over the world? And here in America, uh, and our radio show comes from America, here in America we are using more water than any society, culture in the world we love our bath, we love our shower, and we have a ten, we water our lawns until they're really, really green, and we usually, we use a lot of fresh water. And, uh, the air we're breathing, uh, is also uh, being affected by that, because the moisture in the air, humidity in the air, the temperature of the humidity in the air is so vital to life and, and our, our lifestyle and, and to our, to the diseases. I always like to. I always feel straight and saying life to death. But again, that's what it's all about. Life on this planet is depending upon all of us getting along. And there's a song out there by uh, out there called Bleed Red. And I was listening to the words the other day and Ronnie Dunn and it was said, "We all bleed red." And it goes into fresh water through the hands and why be angry about your lifestyle? Because we're all in this together. We're all living on the planet together. Fresh water should be the goal. Did you know about the wars over water, fresh water, and other countries of the world? have not been what you think they are. It's water war in the sands of the world. Which one's going to keep the water? Fighting over the water, the Palestinians and in Israel. That's that river in between there. They're not concentrating on its life. They're concentrating on other p- lives, a-, a human life. But it won't make it without the water, fresh water. On this planet Earth, there's only 3% fresh water. And out of the 3%, is, is snow and ice. We only have 1% to use for life to live for eternity in the solar system called the planet Earth, fresh water. One out of eight people lacks access to clean, fresh water. People die from water-related diseases every year. It's estimated that 5,000 children die a day because they don't have water. It's so, and diarrhea. All of the different percentages of, of related diseases. Water. Uh it, it, There's so much to learn. The Guinea worm cases, a number one death threat. And we've been, we've been learning malaria, bad water. Recently I was listening to a segment with the CEO of PepsiCo and she's from India and oh, what a, she is so unbelievable to listen to. If you haven't listened to her, you've got to find a time to listen to her talk. But she was talking in India. Where her mother would get up every morning and carry in three buckets of water for the family. Have you heard about those women, those champions of our lives around the world, carrying for sometimes seven miles the water to their family to live and take care of their families? So think about it when you're during our show. It's focused on water, fresh water. And as we taught we brought in guests from the United Nations, from uh, NOAA, NASA. We brought in physicians from Harvard and from different places all over the world representing Philippe, Gusteau. We brought in scientists who had Nobel Prize winning because of water and the molecule. I could go on and on and on through the almost soon five years. And remember, what we talk about is what our, we're learning to do is live on the planet Earth because it's not going to learn to live with us. It's a life of its own. But we will learn. We're going to learn it together on the show. We're going to save lives. And today I am so excited about our special guest, Morgan Simon. Morgan Simon is co-founder and CEO of the Tonic Team. It's a group of exciting, philanthropic, social entrepreneurs that are investing in worldwide concerns. Now, I said philanthropic social entrepreneurs, and we're going to learn more about that today. But remember, our guests are what makes this world go around because they're taking their time, wanting to be on with myself, the research that we've all been doing, and what we're learning. And we can learn together. Can you ever learn enough? No. It's learning together as a team on this planet Earth. We don't want to fight. We want to get along because we care about Earth living in the solar system with the responsibility it has on Earth, but fresh water is the primary life. We're going to listen to our founder, our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of fresh water, the trade secret, tissue culture water, to be able to mist at the surface of the eye. Did you know that the surface of your eye, when that eyelid is open, is subjected to severe dehydration that can lead to blindness, but the surface is 99% water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product worldwide to re-moisturize the eyes, all natural. Well, listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Morgan Simon.
0: to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Hour at yahoo.com. That's Hour at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Morgan, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, and I was really very excited, and thank you for taking your valuable time. And one want the listeners around the world that listen to our show and the bloggers that blog about this. Uh, what we do is Morgan Simon is co-founder and CEO of the Tonic team. And, Morgan, tell us what the Tonic g- group of you are. And I called you the team because I noticed you said that in your some of your descriptions. But tell us about yourself as a co-founder and some of the other co-founders. Why did you start the Tonic group so they'll understand what we're talking about today?
3: Sure. So let me start by explaining a little bit more about Tonic, which is essentially we are a group of social investors. So rather than um, people donating or in addition to donating money, this is actually making for-profit investments into social enterprises, companies that have a social. Environmental return, um, and essentially that idea is that as a complement to conventional philanthropy, there can be times where having for-profit mechanisms can create more efficient distribution systems, um, can provide for greater community control and autonomy in terms of outcomes,
1: um, and can also
3: help projects scale a lot faster and that is okay, much let's, easier.
1: Okay, let's go. Every once in a while, I'll interrupt, and it's because there's something along the way there that I know the listeners might not have picked up on. Uh, something you said. Now, it's a social entrepreneur um, uh, 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 investment group. Now, tell, what does that, that mean right there? What does that description mean? Uh, you're not taking in contributions, am I right?
3: Yes, we're social investors. Um, so, okay. essentially, in, in the same way that, you know, I'm, I'm uh, sitting here 30 miles north of Silicon Valley in San Francisco, okay. um, in the same way that you saw, um, the clean tech sector explodes by people investing um, with an idea that you could okay. make money while having a great social impact. The idea is that you could do the same, addressing some of the most pressing problems for the billions of people in countries like India
1: and in our own country too. In our own country That's too, right. uh, yeah, obviously, because uh, you're an American people. Um, okay, there's what. Okay, I'm going to repeat this. You are a group, uh, a th- co-founder group. Of uh social entrepreneurs we'll call, uh, uh it's called that take don't take contributions in uh, from uh, the random public, but you have uh, different investments that you bring in from individuals who can share pay it forward with the fact that they work uh, and, and they haven't been making money for themselves they've been successful and now they're giving their uh, their investment return to the, uh, the philanthropists, uh, philanthropy is throughout the world of people who need it. Is that correct?
3: Um, I, I think that that might be a, a slightly different way of describing it.
1: Um, okay, it's
3: essentially that people are investing directly into these enterprises.
1: Okay, so they are um, okay. So then when you have a project that you're wanting to go, uh, as a philanthropist, you go have a project and you go into a particular country or a different project, that's a different investment for the philanthropy.
3: Um, so philanthropy typically refers to the practice of giving money, of donating money to a project exactly. and then receiving you know, the, um, the tax benefits therein. Um, this is investing money with the expectation of both a financial and a social return, what people often refer to as job. There the we go. The end.
1: That's what I was excited about hearing about this. Is that um, we are you as an American are going in and you're, in, you're philanthropist number one, but to, to, number two, it's it's a social investment return too. So that uh but you know the one thing I've learned, Morgan, and I'm 70 years old, Morgan, and through my years I've been investing since my 20s out of a small community called Southern Oregon, Transpath, Oregon, doing what I do with the world, but. I found that if you go in and you're giving a philanthropic concern to someone, they don't always understand the re- what's happening unless you can have some hands-on and there's some business arrangement that they will take it serious and they will go follow a plan. If you just hand it over, it, it's, very, it, it's interesting to me. They don't always follow through the way you think they're going to take the funds and follow through. Okay, now I've understood, and I thank the audience, and correct me and interrupt me along the way, too. Tell us, what gave you the idea to start this? This is, to me, should be done all over the This country should be more of this. Uh, where? What gave you the idea to do this? This is so unusual to me. I, I could be wrong, but I know America is so philanthropic and charitable-minded to the world but they don't always ask for anything else in return. What, how did you come up with the idea?
3: Um, this is really part of a broader trend in the world of impact investment. J.P. Morgan put out a report last year saying it would be between $400 billion and a trillion dollars Going into the impact investment sector. So this has really been um, a project growing over the last 10 years. My personal background, I'd, I'd started another organization, the Responsible Endowments Coalition, working with college and university endowments. And that's, you know, 400 billion that's managed nationwide um, of schools that say they have an explicit social mission and educating the next generation leaders and have environmental commitments and whatnot, but all their money winds up getting invested into Chevron Exxon and Shell. Um, And essentially, it was a group of of, um, students, administrators, trustees, alumni who came together saying, we know there's a better way that we can do this, of managing our money in a way that's aligned with our values. And I think that that really reflects, um, as you're seeing all over the country these days with the Occupy movement and um, and just other responses to changes in the global economy that people are really looking for more positive ways to be able to engage with their money. Um, and in the context of the tonic community, it's really providing opportunities. We've looked at about 260 different deals over the past year um, for people to be able to invest their money with impact.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. Congratulations. I think it's just... Uh... I will tell you, I, I want the world to hear this, uh, because it is so important, uh, the directions you're taking and the philosophy you're taking. You'll get by far more return to the recipients on the other end by doing it that way. I could, and now though anybody can disc- think I'm not going to be correct, but I disagree. I think it's the way to be a philanthropist and concern yourself and keep some hands on. Tell us some of the things you've been doing. I've been reading about it. And and some of the things that I found or uh, that I found fascinating were in water. And of course, you know my show and my world in water and uh, and something you need to know, Morgan. I get up every day for all these years. I grew up in Oregon. Of course, I'm surrounded by these gorgeous mountains and lots of water and fresh water. We're in Grants Pass, Oregon, where the fresh Rogue River Valley uh, river goes right through us, in fact, in front of our research campus. But I wanted you to know. I think. And I've given my life to the concerns, the primary concern of water, fresh water, and um, and to the world to hear and understand. And the air we breathe is vital, that breath of life, that moisture in the air, the humidity and the temperature and the changes that the globe is going through. What have you done now in the start out? Well, I know you probably tell us about many things today, but what have you done in water? Because I did bump into some things you had done with water.
3: Sure. So many people heard the recent NPR piece about eHealthPoint Services, which is a company that several of our investor members have participated in. Um, And this is essentially a chain of both health clinics and clean water distribution points in India um which have a really interesting synergy to them. Oftentimes, um if someone has, you know, a, a um, disease like HIV where they may not want it to be public to the village, they can always make the excuse that they're going every day to get the water. And if they just happen to pop into the health clinic, you know, then they're able to get, um the additional treatment that they need without having any social stigma attached to that. Um, and this is providing uh clean low cost water um, to to people in villages across rural india um places where historically there's been very poor water quality, very few opportunities um, of people to be able to get access to fresh drinking water um, and i 'm trying to um, I might need a well, moment to you well did you know in the national uh, also
1: real quickly, I wanted to tell you when you uh, about India. And the National Geographic issue in April of 2010. Did you did you ever receive that? It's where the whole issue was water. Did you get? Do you no, remember no. seeing that? Okay, Morgan, you've got to get it. The whole issue was water. Well, the story I'll never forget. I, I cried. I, I I mean, I'm a I'm a businesswoman, but I can cry. And I was reading this part where this little boy in India was standing in line with these little baggy, Morgan, a baggy and a plastic baggy, and he he crowded the other people were so angry because he was crowding they beat him and he died all he wanted was his baggie of water and all over the world we have people concerning um about water and and all they want is to drink fresh water it's i don't know if you heard me at the beginning of the show talking about the ceo of pepsico absolutely one of the most champion of people in the world but woman women and she mentioned where her mother got up in the morning and went out of their home probably a very lovely place to live but she still going out of the house to bring in three buckets of water for their for their home that morning so in india now tell us more about what you've been able to achieve in india
3: Um, India in general is sort of one of the top hubs of social enterprise, that there's an incredible network of entrepreneurs, of incubators, investors uh, that are really addressing questions of poverty uh, reduction through social enterprise. So we've worked on a number of projects. I think another uh, quite essential one in the area of water um, is looking at sanitation, but there's been a number of projects from India to Africa Um, looking at ways, whether it's through compostable toilets or um, toilets that then are brought to biodigesters to be able Mm -hmm. to produce electricity that can even be Mm -hmm. sold back to the grid. So there's a really incredible untapped source of of essentially human energy um, that we're able to to draw out of it, and it really highlights the ways that so many of these issues are are interconnected.
1: Have you heard anything, and this is something as you were talking, uh, all of a sudden I had a question that I had never thought out loud about, um, in the hospitals in India, do they have sufficient fresh water? Because I know they have power surges. Do they have sufficient fresh water in the hospitals and the clinics in India?
3: Um, you know, India is a big country. It's difficult to really make okay. uh, that, that big of a statement, but I, I would certainly say that issues of lack of water and electricity are quite widespread in India and throughout the developing world. Um, and that these are areas where I think you can see significant collaborations between government, the private sector, um, and trying to find low cost solutions to these problems. Now,
1: what other countries of the world have you gone in with tonic? Um, So we
3: have really, over the past year, we've looked at 260 deals um, on pretty much every continent of the world. There's a lot of activity, primarily in Africa, Latin America, and then India, Um, but certainly throughout Southeast Asia, in the U.S. and Canada, uh, throughout Europe as well. um, Social enterprise has really taken off globally, and you'll find that in any country in the world, you can find investable opportunities.
1: Okay, now in Africa, did you uh, go into Africa with the concerns of water, or did you go into Africa for another concern?
3: Um, I think it's it's for, we're really, uh, quote, neutral in terms of sector. So I think issues of water, of energy, okay. of um, employment, poverty reduction generally, I think in um, there's very few circumstances in which you can really, separate out water from any other right, issue. That's what um, I was wondering. What were some
1: of the things you, uh, what were some of the investments you made in Africa? Uh, can you mention those?
3: Um, sure. So, but there's, let's see, um, I'm thinking of which which example I want to use. There's a, a group called Liberty and Justice um, that is based in Liberia, which uh, you know went through a, a very intense civil war and now has uh, been strengthening its economy since then. And it's a wonderful entrepreneur, Chid Liberty, Liberian American, um, went back home and um, has set up a factory fair trade clothing that's been going into major brands like Prada. Um, and they structured the factory so that it's 51% owned by eight different women's groups, and then 49% owned ah, by the women. Ah, you said
1: um, with women themselves
3: um yeah so it's essentially that um, there was an incredible documentary Pray the Devil Back to Hell about how women um, essentially were the leading force in kicking out the uh, dictator uh, Charles Taylor um, and you know were an incredibly strong force for the country and it was these same groups that collaborated with CHID to put this factory together create meaningful employment for women, and then educational opportunities along with that. 100% of the um, children of these women are in school currently, and that's really, for, for Liberia, quite an impressive statistic. So he's been doing... Great work. He's worked with um, social investors uh, that are part of our network, like the Elios Foundation, um, to be able to raise the necessary capital in stages uh, to be able to really grow and scale the company. And this is an example where, if it was simply using philanthropic resources, of, you know, maybe he could raise a million or two in donations, but it would certainly be difficult to do that year after year um, by making it a for-profit model. But Owned by the women themselves, it's a way of really creating an asset-based you know, community.
1: I am just, uh, we, I can hardly wait to do a show on the women out there in the world that are behind those community committee, committees. Now, now you're telling me women in business out there too, um, because, I, and it was like I, you may have heard me mention women as a champion um, here in our country. I brought up a couple of women that are going to be kind of strange to talk about at the moment, but I'm going to think about it for a second about uh this year we lost um in the United States a very champion of women, uh, uh Laura Laura Lauder. And uh she abs- I mean Evelyn Lauder. And uh she was a champion of women to get behind women, as you know what happened with pink. The word the, when you see the color pink and uh, thinking about women of the world and um and then I think about other women throughout the world who have done certain things. And you go into the countries of the world where they have so much against them because they're dominated by the male culture. And here they're, now you're telling me these women are allowed to become an investment, investor in a business arrangement. And that's what I said at the beginning of the show or with you. If you're going in and making an investment philanthropy, you want to make sure it's being handled correctly and it, and you run it runs more differently if you're running it as a business than just having it at a charity event when the charity event is over with and you walk away. This is a long term arrangement you're doing, Morgan. This is why I was so excited to get you on, and then I need to say something real quickly to the audience too, Morgan. You called it Tonic. Your organization is called Tonic. Uh-huh. That's Describe correct. why you called it Tonic. Um, so
3: basically, um there's a lot of great acronyms out there in the world. Ours is really just a joke, and it's that there's an organization called the Global Impact Investor Network. What do you think that acronym is? Um, so basically that's the Gin. Uh-huh. And therefore we sort of as a, a joke to accompany it created tonic.
1: Well, you know, I looked at it this way. That you're providing a tonic and in the dictionary the word tonic. You're providing the tonic to the rest of the world to see this as a very philanthropic social entrepreneurship. And it gives them the beginning of something that gives the tonic to something to come. Now that's how I looked at it uh, for all of you. Uh, you're 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 absolutely unbelievable at what you're doing. Now you've gone into Africa, and I want to go before we move on to anything else you've done about the women who you set up in that business. How many women uh, can you throw out a number? How many women that are in that particular one you're talking about? How many women did this together?
3: I think it's about a hundred women. In oh the my! Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yep, so it really formed quite a community.
1: Okay. Now, have you heard
3: anything about how they
1: get along and what they, anything about their arrangements? Uh, did they get together once a week? Do they get together uh, a month? Or this is a daily, so many people. Uh, I have to take a break, and don't you go anywhere, because I'd like to go on to the women's side a little bit before we go on to some of the other things you've done, because I think that's the key to what's going on in our world. Morgan, we're going to be right back. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Morgan Simon.
0: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to hour at yahoo.com. That's Hour at com. Now, back to the program.
1: Morgan, before we go on, tell us again about, so we can really understand, when you go into a country like Africa and you begin to form, I'll call them commu- community committees to start with, but you're going in, your company, your team, Tonic is going in and bringing a tonic of a group of people to subliminal uh, an investment for these women to be in a business. And you said that you had about a hundred in one group. Tell, explain to us how that how how, how what what's happening there, uh, the women's relationships, and what are they learning, and where where are people flying in and giving them support on teaching them how to do a business. Explain some of that to us.
3: Um, So we're a network of investors, which means that below us, or rather in in partnership with us, is a layer of entrepreneurs, which are the quite intrepid uh, individuals like uh, Chid Liberty, who I mentioned in Liberia. Um, who really are doing the work on the ground to organize communities to um, provide capacity building as needed in business skills um, or in you know whatever sort of work working in the factory etc that they're going to need to take on and then our job as investors is really to support those entrepreneurs so from that perspective we are really kind of a layer removed from the action on the ground and appropriately so that as investors we want to make sure that you know we, we recognize that our our primary roles are one providing financing and then also so Given that um, a number of investors have uh, been quite successful in business in the past, that they're also able to impart some of their expertise to help these entrepreneurs grow their businesses.
1: Like like a plan and on paper.
3: And on yes, paper. it could be it could be a plan on paper. It could be uh, specific operating concerns that they ha- might have. But there's a number of, of ways that this right. may right right. So
1: oh wonderful! Now, what other countries have you gone into? Um,
3: gosh, we have really been all over. Um, so we, we have an active network of investors in Mexico um, and a number mm-hmm. of projects there. We've uh, worked in South America in Brazil, um, and Brazil no, and all over Mexico because it's part of
1: our, you know, in Mexico, which is North America, and we, it's in the news every day about what is going on in Mexico with the cartel and the concerns and the dangers and so on. Tell us what you've been able to, to accomplish in Mexico.
3: Um, so in Mexico, we've recently launched a chapter where we've brought together Mexican investors, social investors that are interested in, in um, making impact investments in Mexico alongside U.S. and European investors, and that's a way of really being able to share risk. Um, so from the Mexican perspective, it brings in foreign capital and foreign expertise, and from the U.S. and European uh, perspective, as we're quite an international network. It's a way of having feet on the ground that it may not be practical for an investor sitting in um, New York or in London uh, to you know, be in Mexico four times a year, if there's an investor that they trust on the ground, they're able to invest their money alongside a lot more efficiently. Um, so what we've been able to do is bring together a network of investors to collaborate with our U.S. and European investors um, and have been able to look at deal flow from across the country.
1: Now, in Mexico, what are some of the philanthropic things you've been doing?
3: Um, so we have... I, and I, I do want to make this distinction here that uh, it's not philanthropic, right? So well, you're no, not it's not giving a, away you, anybody. You, I'm sorry. You're called
1: social entrepreneurs. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Social investors. Yeah, yes, I, I like that one. Okay. The, uh, um. And I think when I heard it on NPR, they said it's a philanthropic, but it's an, an investment return. Uh, yes, it will help other people to achieve certain uh, goals that are very philanthropic, but it is secondly an investment that must have a return. So that's we'll call right, it, we'll get right. me going, uh, disciplined here calling it social entrepreneurship.
3: So and I actually, like the word entrepreneurs.
1: Social, what did uh, you do in Mexico?
3: Invested, social investor would be the term there. Okay. Um, so in, um In Mexico, there's a couple projects that we've uh, been a part of. One is a great organization called Lumini that works in Colombia Mexico and the U.S. as well, Um, and they basically provide financing for student loans rather than based on collateral, um, based on the future income projections of the student. So you might have a student in Mexico who comes from a very poor family um, that's not going to have collateral to be able to take out a student loan, but they get into the best medical school in Mexico, um, and you can presume that coming out they're going to have quite a healthy income. Um, So what Lumi does is they essentially use classic actuarial science to determine what are likely income projections for the student and then are able to say we're going to take 3% or 5% of your income over the next 10 years to finance a loan. And that also means that if the student goes through a period of unemployment, they don't have to worry um, about getting behind on their payments um, so that's that's one project called Lumdi. Um Another another one that we've uh, supported is called FrogTech, um, and essentially, what they do is provide a, a version of a smartphone and a barcode scanner to support uh, management in small shops, what people often refer to as bodegas, where people. Typically, are using just pen and paper uh, to be able to track the sales that they make, and they find that um, it's a pretty inefficient method in terms of being able to know when you need to restock your inventory. Um, you know what sort of uh, products are, are most popular on your shelves, and then that can affect, for example, your ability to carry fresh fruits and vegetables. You know things that are going to be more healthy for the community as opposed to things that you know can sit on your shelf forever. Um, so this technology has really Helps uh, these small shopkeepers that tend to be quite low income uh, be able to improve their incomes and also improve their service
1: to the community. Yes, it is. It may also improve their business thinking um, because it gives them the more, more tools they need. Okay, and now uh, let's go into uh, other parts of the world. Is there another one that stick, kind of comes to your mind that you feel very excited about uh, that's happening? Is something new that you've been doing, maybe? I think we're having some technology problems with Morgan. Oh, I'm back. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry, because I there for a minute. I thought we had some technology problems. Uh, Are there some new things that you're doing that uh, you would like to share with us?
3: Sure. So I think some some new things in the industry that are quite uh, interesting. This is actually another project in Mexico. Um, that one of our investors actually did, did make a donation to. And in this case, it's because they're helping them do a proof of concept. Um, and essentially, uh, it's creating community-owned uh, wind energy And it's the idea that, uh, so indigenous communities that have collective land rights already, it's quite easy to be able to do infrastructure scale projects with community ownership angle, and it'll be the source of income to create a community foundation where then rather than having to, you know, write out to um, other countries to be able to support their development work, the community itself will be able to fund its own program. So that's one that um, I think is pretty interesting.
1: And then other parts of the world now. Uh, have you something new going on you'd like to tell us about in other parts of the world other than, in, uh, than India and Mexico and Africa? What other parts of the world have you been going into?
3: Um, so we've been looking at a project in Brazil that's helping uh, fair trade trade cooperatives uh, be able to access major retailers, Um there's there's really there's just so many there's a reality tv program based on social entrepreneurship uh, that started in Afghanistan that's looking for expansion capital to move to Egypt um, there's an incredible diversity so i think similarly if someone you know who's already philanthropically inclined and finds that they're able to donate their money in education or healthcare or any number of sectors you know an equal number of opportunities exists to be able to support those same sectors through investment capital as well
1: Mm-hmm. So when you went into Afghanistan, uh, how long have you been there?
3: Um, so this is one of the social entrepreneurs who has been working there rather than mm-hmm. us directly. So we are really, in terms of our staff, are just in uh, the U.S., Europe, and Mexico, and it's that this is really the the crux of our, our organization's design, that we don't have to be everywhere in the world uh, mm-hmm. to be able to work everywhere in the world because it's really about leveraging the on-the-ground expertise of um all these social entrepreneurs to do our work. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and did, did you have you done anything with the water, getting clean water into those areas too? Um, the, so the
3: project in India
1: um, is really
3: the the greatest example of, of a specifically water centered project. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now, with, uh, we're, we discussed the women. What about the children? Uh, have you been doing any projects uh, with the children in any country of the world? Um so
3: I think you can really say in in all of these sectors, if you're looking at education, health care, water, energy, all of them affect children um, so for example, there's a number of projects that we've been a part of that are about rural electrification of uh, solar powered systems for homes, uh, solar lanterns, um, where one of the primary purposes is to ensure that Children have a light to read by at night, um, so I think there's there's never really a separation between youth and adult outcomes, and also knowing that, um, that youth are often in the best position to benefit. Um, that, for example, access to clean uh, drinking water is most essential for for infants and children. Um, they're certainly appreciated, and of course,
1: running running water for sanitation to wash their hands and 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 take a bath. Sure, right, wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, now, tell us about you personally, um, Morgan, but we don't have too much time left. Tell us about Morgan, uh, Simon. How did you get involved? How did you, Why did you decide to be part of this?
3: Sure. So I had um, done a lot of work in international development. I lived in Honduras and Mexico and Sierra Leone and had worked with some small grassroots organizations and then with the United Nations Development Program. And in that time, had seen a lot of great work in terms of donor-led projects and also saw a lot of opportunity to branch out from there and really create greater senses of community ownership. And I think ultimately I've been on a personal mission of uh, how to transfer resources from the global north to the global south in a way that really respects The autonomy and the interests of communities on the ground, and that's what I'm most passionate about in the context of impact investment. Mm
1: -hmm. And uh, tell us about the other people, your other, you call them, everybody's a co-founder that I could read about there. Tell us about some of the other co-founders. How did they get involved, and why did their, what was their purpose? Because it sounds like to me this is going to become more of a trend. I think you're going to have something very, very uh, contagiously happening here, vulnerable to people of the world to get involved in these types of thinking of investing in this way. Uh, but before I go, tell us about some of those other co-founders, and then I'll come back and tell you what I'm thinking about the future of why this would become very vulnerable to others. But tell us about some of the other co-founders.
3: Sure. So there's five of us that were a co-founding team. Two came out of the uh, venture capital world, so Sean Foote and John Kohler, um, who are both you know, have decades of experience in conventional investing and have been applying their uh, technique and expertise to the social sector. Um, and then Lisa and Charlie Kleiser, who are entrepreneurs and um, run a family foundation. Um, so they have been quite experienced both on the philanthropic, side in making donations to projects and then have really been cutting-edge leaders in impact investment. Um, and then we also have a number of founding members, um, investors that have been very active in our network. Uh-huh.
1: And, and then also with this, have you ever heard of another organization doing this type of social entrepreneuring, I'll call it, uh, investing anywhere else in the world?
3: Um, Sure. So there's actually a number of organizations. I think Tonic is the only one that truly has a global Mm -hmm. emphasis. Um, Other networks are are typically more um, focused on a particular country or region. Um, So in the U.S., there's Investor Circle, um, which is uh, primarily focused on U.S. domestic impact investments, and they are probably the oldest, largest um, impact investor network in the world. They've done a lot Mm -hmm. of great work. Um, There's Impact Circle in India, um, there's um uh angel uh angel ventures in mexico um which does more conventional angel investing there's quite a number of them mm-hmm.
1: I was listening recently on bloomberg uh, a woman on, and i forget her name i apologize um i didn 't write it down uh, but she wrote a book about uh, this uh, I, the uh, what is happening with social investing and uh i'm apologized but it was really good and they were uh, uh i noticed that uh, charlie rose was interviewing her and that the fact that uh the social investments were going a trend and that's the first time i'd heard about it morgan and then i will tell the listeners i was uh ran into by accident listening to npr inter- and and this uh, interviewing uh one of your co-founders and uh, that's why I was so excited to hear more about what you're doing because I think the world needs to listen to this uh, of what you're trying to do with these investments. Now, in any other parts of the world, I'm going to go back to um, the women of the world. Are you finding that in, whenever your investments are going into these countries of the world, the reception you're getting are you getting a, a really good reception with women or are you getting a reception with both men and women
3: and certainly with men and women, um, I, I think, you know, what we found in, for example, the microfinance sector, that it really had focused on women, and I think, um, you know, I might have some personal bias here, but I think that uh, over time women have really shown to often be quite entrepreneurial, to uh, really be the, the front and center of taking care of their families and of, and of pursuing opportunities to take care of their families, and that that gets played out. Uh, in the social capital space, and that there's a lot that's changing um, in terms of relationships between men and women, based on their relative economic power in different societies, and that that includes our own.
1: Well, there's been said for centuries after centuries that women uh, have been uh, way back in time. Uh, the first word, medicine, was considering women were in medicine, way back, not men. And then along the way, the men they made sure that men could go to school and afford the education because they would be supporting their families. So it took another change in time. I studied that so far back. Uh, but women getting up in the morning to take care of their families earlier, uh, knowing the man's going to go to work, or they're the ones that are carrying that fresh water from such a distance, and it's when I had the United Nations on, Morgan, It was saying, too, I said, you just stop and think. If you had a broken arm or a broken ankle, they still had to get up in the morning and go get that water. And the children, many of them don't go to school because they're having to help the mother, too. So what you're doing is so important to the world out there. And, Morgan, now your family, do you have other members of your family involved with you? Because this can become very contagiously vulnerable. Are are you the only member of your family involved in this group?
3: Um, I'm the only member of my family involved in this group. I would say that my family is pretty socially oriented. My um, sister runs the Museum of Art and History um, uh-huh. in Santa Cruz. Um, and oh, okay. I spent a lot on making museums in a much more collaborative uh, institution. Um, mm-hmm. And then my mother... Has been an investor in the education space uh, for for many years, and is uh-huh. an entrepreneur herself. So you got
1: this a lot from your own family, thinking about other people in the world, and 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 reaching out. Uh, you know, I I found from when I was growing up here in Oregon, my family were very into uh, on the weekends and at night doing something for someone else, and that movie, call it Pay Pay It Forward. It was so, to me, a a perfect description of paying it forward to the what you're doing, Morgan. What you're doing is amazing. And I want to tell you, if you ever want to come on again and talk about another project or something that is important to you to tell the world about and you're looking for something, now where do they go to find out more about your uh, your team? I'll call your group a team. Where would they find your team on the Internet? Sure, tonic.com. Um, now, ions. sell the tonic,
3: T-O-N-I-I-C, N-I-I-C.
1: right, T-O-N-I-I-C, mm-hmm. okay, dot .com, and uh, you're located in the Silicon Valley area. Did you have, by far we go, do you have any more office any offices anywhere else in the world?
3: Um, we have in, in Europe and in Mexico as well, and we really, you know, we accept members from anywhere in the world, um, anyone who's interested in... Uh, transitioning to being social investors or is currently a social investor and looking to do so in a community that we really focus on lowering the transactions cost by sharing our deal flow due diligence and monitoring in this space.
1: And we only have one minute left with your part, but here, uh, before I go, what have you done? Have you done anything in the United States or that's been other uh, other groups that have done that?
3: Yes, we've done so in the U.S. as well.
1: Okay, okay.
3: And they'll find that on your website. Um, I I think they'd be welcome to to be in touch. Um, And, and yes, my email is on
1: my website. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, I wish you well. And a wonderful season coming up. And everybody, be well, and uh, thank you for what you're doing. All right. Well, thank you. You have a nice day. You too. Bye, Morgan. I'm going to say what I have been saying forever, whenever I have a show, that is something I have learned so much about too, wow, it uh there's so much out there for us all to learn. And the power of water show is to concern ourselves about the issues of the crisis. There is a water crisis in this country and all over the world. And we can say here in America, we can look out the door and we look at fresh water, but did you know that that's depleting and moving down into the aquifers? And because we don't believe in the dams, There's no dammed up. There's not a lot of dams backing up fresh water uh, that we can bring up to the surface of the earth. Now, the one thing I'll mention on the thought of that is when those waters are lowering down into the aquifers and we don't get to see them, that water is not available at at a season or a year that's affordable to bring it back up again. So, and fresh water in the air called humidity. And humidity is at a mortality crisis. And what humidity at a mortality crisis on our planet Earth is the fact we must have water in the air called humidity to survive the organism of all life on the surface of the planet Earth. The temperature of the water, of the, pardon me, of the humidity, temperature of the humidity is a relationship to the 98-degree body you may have the relationship to the temperature of the air you're living in at the moment to the way it absorbs into your body to give you the flexibility, the detoxification, and your life to live and hopefully fight those diseases. But we're finding with research that there is a crisis happening that we have overlooked, that moisture in the air is polluted, The moisture in the air is changing temperatures throughout the day, the season. Individuals are allergic to... The, not only the air they're breathing, but could be allergic to the water they're drinking, allergic to the food they're eating, allergic to stress, and a many other directions of each individuality. And the thing about it, this show is showing you the diet you choose is vital. Stay away from as much sugar as you can. Yes, we cheat. Yes, we will cheat during this holiday season. We have sugar. But remember, if you eat sugar that day or a lot of carbohydrates, try it to the next day stay away from it, to let it detoxify, digest, and remove from your body. The other one is, if you're indulging, be sure to drink always, no matter what, every day, when you get out of bed and begin your day, with one full glass of water to start your day, to replenish the dehydration that happens while you sleep. So if you're sleeping between 6 and 8 and 10 hours a day, you didn't have a glass of water then. Be sure and have a full glass of water. And remember the amount of water that you're drinking all the way through to when you go to bed. Now, the other one we're learning is that your eyes are dry. And why would the eyes be dry? Because of the atmosphere and the humidity of the air. That's why. Eyes are dry with lack of water. The surface of your eyes are 99% water. So our skin needs water, our digestion needs water, and our eyes when that eyelid is open. I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, I really have enjoyed this show, and I hope you'll continue to listen to us because of these guests that we have on. I will always say this at the end of every show. Earth has the secrets. But you can embrace your life and somebody else's by paying it forward. Earth is whispering though. Don't say goodbye. Don't think I'm you're taking it with you. Leave it behind. You can become immortal. You are that. We're all part of that immortality. This is Earth. We have a responsibility. The whole solar system. This is Earth. I want to thank you for listening. You have a nice day and be well.